Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. Today is Tuesday, December 4th. I am Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist. And with me today are Mark Penda in Pennsylvania and Jeremy Hawkins over there in London on the other side of the pond. Uh, so far this week, we've had one uh, central bank meeting down and two more to go. Reserve Bank of Australia, as widely anticipated, left its cash rate at 1.5%, where it has been since August 2016. RBA is one of the few central banks, the only one that I can think of, that takes a summer vacation, in this case in January, and will not meet again until February. Uh, after increasing the cash rate last time to 1.75%, the Bank of Canada is expected to hold this time around. Uh, and the same for the Bank of India. They are expected to maintain the interest rate at 6.5% as well. Jeremy, you have an ECB meeting next week, which brings us almost automatically to easy inflation. It does. Nice segue there. Um, yeah, what have we got then? So I think um, over here, obviously, it's still all about Brexit. But if we, for once, we can just put that on one side. In terms of the numbers, well, really, the ECB's got some problems at the moment. As you mentioned, we've, uh, we've had an inflation update, the flash figures for November um, out at the back end of last week. The headline rate was uh, 2.0%. That's the yearly inflation rate. And that was down from a final 2.2% in October, in line with expectations. But the core rates uh, moved the wrong way again. Again, uh, the narrowest of the cores, which the market tends to focus upon as being the, the principal underlying rate, that slipped a tick to 1.0%. Now, OK, that's only a tick lower than it was last time, so it's not really any big deal. But it really just underlines a complete lack of any real upward pressure on core prices at the moment. I mean, that rate has been now between, what, 0.9% and 1% for seven consecutive months. In fact, it's only just a tick above where it was uh, as long as a year ago. So in other words, the ECB is still planning, as far as we know it, to, to end its uh, quantitative easing program at the end of this year. So at the end of this month, and it's expected to announce that on Thursday week. But really, you know, anyone talking about any sort of a tightening of monetary policy in a eurozone, at least as far as the current trends go, is, is really well off the mark. And indeed, I think you know, the other worrying aspect of some of the latest figures we've had on the eurozone real economy. Um, back end of last week, we had an update on the Italian GDP. Now, I know that Italy's been something of a laggard in terms of economic performance for a while now, but they saw their third quarter GDP, which was previously reported as being flat on the quarter, revised down to minus 0.1%. So quarter on quarter, just a small contraction. Nonetheless, that means that we've got two of the big four now contracting in the third quarter, because people may remember we also saw a 0.2% quarterly contraction in the German economy. Now, it makes it kind of difficult really for the ECB to justify it where why it should be doing anything completely different with its policy at all at this particular time. So I think you know, when we get into next week, what to look for is by all means, I expect we will see now the end of quantitative easing, but also be surprised if we don't see a fairly dovish comment, a fairly dovish statement coming out of ECB President Draghi. 
I'm just quickly sticking with the, uh, the Eurozone numbers. There aren't too many of note this week. It's just sort of confirmation of the PMIs, which really are signaling a pretty disappointing November. But we will on Wednesday get October retail sales. And although we don't have the GDP expenditure components for the third quarter yet, they come out quite late in the Eurozone. Um, one reason why they, they were as poor as they were is that uh, we've seen a slowdown in consumer spending. And were we to see another disappointment on the October retail sales, you know, there's going to be concerns that the fourth quarter is not to see any kind of pickup at all. And if that's the case, the ECB may be hinting at the possibility of the first interest rate hike in the second half of next year. Well, that might go completely out the window altogether. Jeremy, this, yeah. is, um, this is Mark. I have a couple of questions. The first is, I'm curious about why the core rate uh, is going is so uh, subdued over there. The core rate in the U.S. is a double that. Uh, wages here are going up a little bit uh, uh, in a steady way. Housing costs are uh, still a little uh, contributing to this core rate, as are medical costs. But both of those actually are receding a little bit. Um, uh, we've had a, an uptick in energy over here. Where why is the core uh, so much more subdued over there? I think it's partly down to a kind of we got a you know still a fairly significant dislocation I think between the economic cycles your side of the pond and what's really going on in here, and you have an unemployment rate you know at such low levels I suppose the question mark is why aren't wages higher, whereas as far as the Europe's concerned if we look at the eurozone rate we're still tracking around about eight percent or so now I know there's a slight difference in terms of the measurement between Europe and the U.S. but nonetheless you know we're talking about a huge difference which clearly has you know, implications the amount of slack still left within the eurozone economy. So, so are you seeing wages move a little bit uh, higher? We are. They're are creeping we, up. And they yeah. finally moved above the 2% mark. But it's taken them a very long time to do that. So they're still not really exerting any strong upward pressure on inflation, so long as you've got any sort of productivity growth whatsoever. So really, I mean, it's, it's worth pointing out, Daniel, had it not been for the rebound we've had in commodity markets, I'm not obviously over the last month or so, but over the last several years, looking at what's been happening to oil and food and so on, Eurozone inflation would be hardly above zero. And that's the real problem for the ECB. It's simply been unable so far to get this core rate anywhere near the 2% mark where it wants to see it. Oh, and the other question I have is France now with the uh, the riots that we've seen. Is this going to be an economic event uh, uh, for the quarter for the just isolated to dis December perhaps? Well, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good question. I think at this stage, it's too early to actually, you know, to, to come off the fence on that one. But it's worth mentioning because it could have some important implications looking further down the road. For people who aren't aware, we've had, um, well, a series of fairly significant riots taking place across France. And this was in response to planned increases in taxation on fuel uh, for French consumers. Now, Macron, President Macron has a number of reform programs in place at the moment. There's a whole string of measures he's talking about introducing next year. And this was seen as being one of the kind of benchmarks as to whether or not he can actually implement his policy as he sees fit and break away from what has always in the past been, if you like, a kind of negotiation between the government and the unions. Now, the fact he appears 
appears to have backed down on this fuel price hike. And at the moment, it should be said it's just been suspended rather than cancelled altogether. The fact he's even done that, I think, has got investors worrying that, you know, despite all the talk, it may well be the case that, you know, the future of French policy is going to be no different from what we've seen in the past. And were that to be the case, then I think it would certainly be bad news in terms of, you know, French productivity and everything else. So, I mean, it's it's early days yet, but it's not a good start. And how about the short term, the very short term? Is it going to be consumer spending going to go down? Um... It may do. I mean, certainly there's been, a, there's been a lot of disruptions just directly concerned with, you know, the strikes themselves need a lot of damage, which I suppose you could turn it around and say, uh-huh. you know, rebuilding work could, could actually help the economy a little bit. But we had, it's interesting, I mean, looking at the French consumer confidence data, they've seen a fairly sharp decline over the course of the last few months. Now, that may in part be, you know, as a result of, you know, the, the, the rights and so on. But in any event, yeah, it warns that it could be perhaps a disappointing fourth quarter for overall consumption. Jeremy, can we jump the part of the uh, the English Channel? Get back to the UK and an update on Brexit. <laughs> yeah, Brexit, sure. I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure people must be getting tired of me prattling on about Brexit, but it, it's clearly so important at the moment. Quickly to summarise what's happened since uh, we last spoke. Um, I suppose one of the main bits of news was the Bank of England governor wading in um, last week with some dire warnings about how the economy would, well, all but implode if we don't get a Brexit deal. Now, I think the problem there and the relief factor for many investors is that the Bank of England warned there would be a recession after the, what, the June 2016 referendum vote. And of course, that never happened. Indeed, the fourth quarter of that year, the economy performed particularly well. Nonetheless, it's been used as additional reasons, well, Additional reasons for the remainers why we should remain in the EU, etc., etc. Now, on that front, um, we're starting to build up to the key vote, which will be next Tuesday. That will be when Parliament actually votes on the withdrawal bill. And as things currently stand, it's still the case that Mrs May looks like she's going to lose and lose by a fairly large margin. Um, there's plenty of politicking to take place between now and then. And indeed, the fact we've got any kind of deal agreed with the EU was against what a lot of people were assuming would be the case even just a few months ago. So we can't completely afford to say that, well, it's a done deal, that it won't be a deal. But certainly the way things are shaping up at the moment, UK markets and indeed Eurozone markets, I suspect, become increasingly nervous over the course of the next seven days. I should just mention this parliamentary debate in the UK. It actually starts this afternoon. Uh, There'll be five days of debate and the result itself is expected evening time next Tuesday on the UK. And there's no significant right to left divide? Uh, no, this, yeah. is, this is a problem. I mean, it's for both parties, they're split down the middle. And that's why you know, the whole issue has been so difficult to reconcile between the two sides in the first place. But it's got to be said that you know, the problem for Mrs May is that in trying to come out with some sort of compromise deals, she's left the Remainers unhappy, she's left the Brexiteers unhappy. So it really is at this stage pretty difficult to see how she's actually going to get it through Parliament. Thank you, Jeremy. While we're jumping, we'll jump the Atlantic Ocean. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Mark, we've we've have sort of a scrambled schedule this week in the U.S. Yeah, with tomorrow being declared an official day of mourning, mm-hmm. amongst other things. Uh, the Chairman Powell's testimony before the Joint Economic Committee, which is always considered a a very important mm-hmm. 
piece of mm-hmm. testimony has been canceled. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's and, we're, and we're waiting, waiting for it to be rescheduled. And of course, that testimony would have followed uh, last week's um, uh, uh, blockbuster statement from uh, Powell that uh, the target neutral rate uh, may, isn't too far away from being neutral. Uh, just below neutral, and that marked a, a shift, um, especially from the rhetoric of the of the September FOMC meeting and and the Fed speak coming out of that, when we were talking about the need to go into the restrictive zone, and so this is quite a a change uh, in policy, and actually the if you look at the economic data, it hasn't changed very much at all. Uh, if there's anything, it's uh, just pretty much steady freight, which, of course, raises the question whether or not um, this is related to uh, President Trump's criticism and whether or not the Fed is backing off. Certainly, that can be uh, that could definitely be a reasonable uh, conclusion. But we are going to see something on Friday, which could be very interesting, and that's average hourly earnings in the employment report. Now, we were just talking about U.S. wages kind of uh, edging higher. Uh, a key reading of this is average hourly earnings in the employment report. Now, that had in the prior month gone up to 3.1%, which was a uh, expansion high. Um, however, the monthly rate at that time was kind of soft. So it, even though that did catch everyone's eye, it, it wasn't a sealed deal. And maybe that's what allowed a little bit more dovish speak from the Fed. But what uh, forecasters are expecting for this report on Friday is a 0.3% monthly change, which is significantly more, and a 3.2% year-on-year rate, which would, again, lift it up and move it into that incrementally um, upward path. Now, I've looked at the numbers, and personally, I'm not a forecaster in the sample, of course, but uh, I'm not so sure that it's going to go up to 3.2%. But in any case, I'm at the 3.1%, which is the low end of the uh, economy consensus. It also goes up to 3.3. If we got a 3.3 and a 3.0.3 on the monthly readings, um, that talk of the dovish Fed would uh, have the rug pulled out from it, especially that morning, uh, Friday morning, the trading morning. Uh, for overall payrolls, it's still a pretty significant increase. Uh, is expected at 190,000. That would be down from uh, unusually a strong 250,000 in the prior month. But these are all pretty strong readings with the unemployment rate holding at 3.7%. That's the expectation. So uh, it looks like we're going to get a strong employment report. uh, But, you know, there's other signs too that maybe not. Unemployment uh, claims have Pivoted higher, small, uh, but off historical lows, both uh, initial claims and continuing claims. And we've had a number of layoff uh, uh, announcements. Challenger, uh, the Challenger layoff count started picking them up um, back in October and uh, had, has, has had a couple of very strong months, unusually strong months. And now we've had the GM uh, uh, mass layoff. Now these mass layoffs, they don't occur all at once, but they, but they do mark a, a change in the company news. And, uh, uh, so, uh, maybe, uh, we won't get that strong of an employment report. <laughs> it's hard to say, but, uh, if we do, uh, it'll be a lock then for a rate hike at the uh, mid month, uh, FOMC and everyone's eyes on that is going to be on the federal funds, uh, uh, dot plot, uh, what the FOMC board uh, sees uh, rate hikes um, for uh, next year. Right now, that's at three 25 basis point hikes, which would take us to three and an eighth percent. But uh, after the just below 
uh, uh, comment, that could definitely be coming down. We'll have to see. But that would be a, that. That's going to probably be the highlight of uh, of the of the, this incredibly packed month of economic data out of the U.S. Mark, can I ask you? question about this this neutral rate i mean yeah. do you think I mean, the market's response to these comments you know i uh, are we close for neutral rate or, or or aren't we close for neutral rate do you think the market sort of overcooked that do you think the fed actually well powell actually sent a slightly misleading signal out or do you think that the fed's actually starting to change its view on where rates are going next year uh, well, I guess that's why I was saying the the funds target uh, uh, what they see in those dot plots and the FOMC forecast, quarterly forecast, uh, whether it's three or two, that's where we're going to see. That's when the rubber meets the road on that question. So I think we'll we'll find that out. As far as the market responses, that was a, that was a shift. There's no doubt about it. Uh, from moving from talking about uh, things being uh, ha- maybe having to go over the neutral rate, uh, then uh, n- now saying that we're very close to the neutral rate rate that is a shift and that does imply uh, less uh, uh, fewer rate hikes but it's you know what's so interesting is about this neutral rate the theory of it and all the empiricism that they do uh, uh, you know R star U star all this other stuff and it is a fast moving target that you know so it's from it's like day to day what what one says to another and it, I guess this, this range is somewhere in the, the amorphous zone of about probably two and three eighths uh, maybe two and a half to three and an eighth to three and a quarter, your guess is as good as mine. But we'll be able to get a gauge on that, like I say, with the Federal Reserve um, Fund's uh, forecast. Thanks, guys. Till next week.